Hi there, everyone. Evan Fleischer here. What you are about to hear is an excerpt from Anna Burke that typically goes out to her Patreon subscribers. If you want to get more of this kind of content, head over to patreon.com slash Anna Burke author. That's patreon.com slash A-N-N-A-B-U-R-K-E-A-U-T-H-O-R. You might also hear a few editing bits from me. Anyway, that's it. Enjoy. Thanks again to Anna Burke. Stillwater, a Patreon-exclusive novella by Anna Burke, narrated unprofessionally by the author. For all you Miranda stands. Blue. Everywhere. Blue. Blue sky. Blue water. Blue pain. I can't. They're everywhere. I want to die. Neptune, please let me die. Please. Please. Chapter One The crease in her pants lay flat at last. She scrutinized the hemp fabric and hefted the iron, ready to go another round with the hemp cloth, just to be sure. Today was not the day for dress infractions. Warm air rose from the hot stone, rippling over the hairs on her arms, and she took an even breath to slow her heart rate. She would not break out in a sweat. She spent far too much time on her hair for that, taming and twisting it into its braid. And while she fully expected to be sweating by the end of the night, seas and Portia willing, she had stripes to claim first. Miranda? A knock followed her name. Laying down her pants in the iron, careful not to ruin the crease, she opened the door to her cramped quarters. Lee's face turned from its usual pale pink to vermilion, the blush spreading faster than plague in a drifter tub, extending from the roots of her blonde hair and down the neck of her impeccable uniform. What, Lee? It wasn't nice to tease her former superiors, but Lee made it too easy. Feigning innocence, Miranda glanced down at her bare legs, as if she hadn't realized she'd enter the door half-naked. Honestly. Lee should be grateful she bothered to put on an undershirt. Her quarters, her dress code, and within the few square meters allotted her, that dress code usually consisted of underwear and little else. Uh. Lee sputtered a few more times before managing to deliver her message. I'm supposed to escort you. An escort? She opened the door in invitation and tried not to smirk. Lee remained in the hall, averting her eyes. Poor repressed thing. Lee Jones, bosun to Captain Pham of the Gemini fleet ship Duality and several years Miranda's senior, believed in propriety above all else. Lee also wasn't an idiot. She knew a fine pair of legs when she saw them, and Miranda suspected Lee was currently considering precisely how much self-flagellation this lapse in dignity demanded. Checking out crew members would be something Lee considered highly inappropriate, which made this game irresistible. Captain Pham, Lee began. Pham probably wanted to let Miranda know he supported her, as he had since she joined his crew, and that he thought she could do this, even if she didn't share his certainty. The thought deflated her current, less noble aspirations. 
Tormenting Lee was undignified, and an abuse of Pham's trust. She relented and turned her back on the bosun to grab her pants. The cloth was still warm from the iron as it slid over her legs. Next came her nicest shirt, white and pressed with the same care, and over that, the white jacket of a Gemini fleet captain. Her hands trembled very slightly as they did the blue buttons. Here. Lee had followed her into the room after all, apparently, and her round face had regained some of its normal color. She adjusted the collar and smoothed the lapels, her fair eyebrows furrowed as she looked Miranda over. The hum of the ship filled the small silence. Nostalgia struck. Would she ever hear the hum of this particular ship again? Do I pass muster? she asked. You'll do, said Lee, sparing her a smile. Now behave yourself. She behaved herself as she marched down the halls of the duality to the docking bay and on to the smaller sub that would take them to the flagship of the Gemini fleet. Two, or, since saying two sounded dumb, the second. Gemini wasn't known for its creativity in naming vessels. Ares Station, on the other hand, took things too far, so she supposed it could be worse. The Ares fleet roster included names like Fire in the Hold or Ramifications, which was proof that Ares captains gambled because names like those were clear indicators of lost bets. Also, puns were ridiculous. So were most of the Ares stationers she'd met. Only when the small sub, containing just herself and Lee, for Pham had already departed, left the hold and sped through the striated waters of evening did she realize something was wrong. The flagship is the other way. Flagship? asked Lee. I thought, the ceremony will take place on the station. Lee's face bore a smugness she knew she deserved, but didn't appreciate. She tensed the muscles in her feet, then her calves, then her thighs, ass, and core, working her way up to her shoulders and jaw before releasing the tension. The station. That meant... They're throwing me a gala? You're the youngest Captain Gemini's ever appointed, and a hero. What did you expect? I... She'd expected a small ceremony with Fam and Admiral Chartel, Lee looking on and trying not to admire how good she looked in her uniform followed by a night of celebrating at the ship's bar with Portia and the rest of her friends before she got her new assignment. A gala was different. Most of the captains in port would be there, along with their crews. Half the Gemini fleet. You'll be fine. You always are. Lee met her eyes, her smug expression giving way to a scowl. Doesn't mean you're not a scoundrel. I'm getting it out of my system now. Good. Lee? Hmm? Why didn't anyone tell me? Fan wasn't sure you'd show up. She wrapped her braid around her hand and tugged it as she processed this news. Fam knew her too well. Normally, she'd take pirates and storms over a gala any day. This time, however, he didn't need to worry. She wanted them to see her face. She wanted the fleet to look on while Admiral Sartell pinned her captain's stripes to her lapel and named the ship under her command. She'd paid too steep a price for her promotion for anything less. The dead deserved restitution. Still, a gala. All those eyes. She didn't mind eyes, normally. Attention fueled her in reasonable quantities. But a gala? There was an ocean of difference between a woman's admiring gaze and the regard of half of Gemini. Her nerves jangled. To calm them, she recited the litany of lost sailors as the sub kept its course over the deeps. Their names reverberated like the cries of long-dead whales. Gemini Station came into view through the portholes far too soon. 
Its familiar spherical shape gleamed with bioluminescence, the station's bulk improbably large as it hung suspended in the water. The anchor chain stretched down for miles below, attended by submersibles on their rounds. Once, she thought that was where she ended up, tending the anchors plunged in blackness. Her parents issued that future as a threat. It hadn't worked. She's not afraid of anything, she'd overheard her mother saying to her father. It will get her killed or worse. It wasn't fear that gripped her now exactly, at least not the way her mother meant. This emotion, this gnawing, pressing, starving thing clawing at her chest, was something more than fear. If she failed here in this new role, she failed far more than Miranda Stillwater. Lee oversaw the docking procedure as Gemini swallowed them, the docking bay doors closing as water drained from the entry lock. The shoulders of Miranda's jacket strained as she stood. The seamstress hadn't accounted for her habit of flexing to calm herself, and she took a sip of satisfaction from the straining threads, pushing boundaries. It was what she did. The pulse in her ears kept time with the thrum of the sub's engine as it settled into a berth. Ready? Lee asked. She tilted her chin, savoring the taste of her next word. What her mother hadn't understood. What Miranda herself hadn't understood until recently. Was that neither darkness nor the abyss could scare her. Those things were predictable. Cyclical. Yes, she said, and Lee stepped back to let her pass. Sargasm. Rough. If I wrap it, fuck. Blood. If I wrap it around myself, it might, fuck. It's dark again. I don't, I don't know how long it's been. I can't see stars. I can't see anything. My eyes. My hands. Bladders beneath me. They're slick. They stick. They won't let me die, and I hate them. I hate them. I... Gemini's ballroom dripped with light. Someone must have siphoned all the light from the rest of the ship, she reasoned, as she stood in the doorway, Lee clearly resisting the urge to shove her into the room, and rerouted it here. Blue light painted the faces of the waiting crowd. A few turned to her, but most were engrossed in conversation. Dress uniforms on fleet sailors, and the finery of their guests, gleamed, and more skin was on display than she'd seen outside of the training rooms, as if to offset the stifling press of the official Gemini uniform. Nearby... A woman wearing a dress that dipped so low in the back she could count each gilded vertebra in her spine laughed at a joke. She imagined Portia wearing such a dress, and a grin made an attempt at a coup. She restrained it. Portia wouldn't wear something that flimsy. Still, it made for a pretty visual. Miranda Stillwater. Femme materialized in the crowd, dressed in dark blue slacks, a white jacket, and his captain's stripes. Medals from various acts of valor further decorated his lapel, and there was a red area on his neck where he'd scratched at the tightness of the collar. Above, his face, which remained online despite his fifty years, beamed at her. Captain. She saluted, her form perfect enough to make Lee weep, then clasped his warm, rough hand. How does it feel? he asked, gesturing at the room. She loved the rich tenor of his voice. Even when shouting commands I had a musical quality, commanding and calming all at once. Like I'm underdressed. Tell me about it. He tugged on his collar again, casting a rueful look at Lee, who glared at him, and then itched his hairline instead. He'd gotten a haircut recently, and his graying dark mane lacked the must look she'd grown accustomed to. Duality sailed farther out than most ships in the fleet, and Muster, while taken seriously, took second rein to action. Fam's hair grew in accordance. The longer the sail, 
the longer his hair, regardless of the ship's barber's attempts to lure him into her salon. She decided shortly after enlisting with him that she wanted to be that kind of captain. Respected, firm, but focused on the business of protecting the station, not her vanity. Her bosun, whoever that ended up being, would just have to deal. Let's get some food in you. Pham stepped toward the server with a platter of algae fritters and swiped several, pressing them into her hand on a hemp napkin. She ate them, hardly tasting the salty sauce as she swallowed. Thanks for letting me know about the gala, she said, wiping her hands clean. I didn't get my rank by nepotism, and I'm not an idiot. Try one of these. She tried the rice cake he pressed on her, and resisted scolding him for parenting her. Where's Admiral Sartell? she asked instead. By the bar, I'd guess. Would you like a drink? No, thank you. Drinking on the job got sailors killed. Technically, this wasn't work, but she'd be damned if she was anything but clear-headed tonight. Congratulations, said a voice in her ear. Fan was distracted by another server's offerings, and she turned her head into Portia, letting their hands brush behind her back. Sleeping with subordinates was strictly against the rules. Soon, though, she'd be on a different ship and Portia would no longer be beneath her. In regards to rank. She'd be beneath her in other ways, seas willing. You smell good, she said. Keep it in your pants, Captain. Portia pulled away, coming to stand to her side, and offered Pham a salute. Her uniform, not blue and white, but the gray of the engineering corps, somehow accented the sharp lines of her cheekbones and the light brown of her short curly hair. Plump lips smirked as she caught Miranda staring. I'm not your captain, Miranda said, low enough that Pham couldn't hear. Not what you said last night, said Portia, equally low. That... Portia, said Pham, presenting her with a rice cake. She accepted with a respectful nod and ate it slowly. Miranda tried not to watch her fingers or her lips, no matter how welcome the distraction. Even the crew had known about the gala. Something to obsess over later. A chime rang out over the crowd before Pham or Portia could say anything else. The podium by the far wall, which had been empty when they, she entered the room, was now dwarfed by the hulking body of Admiral Sartell. The assembly came to attention as he cleared his throat. She hardly heard the address. Buzzing filled her ears, and her spine threatened to crack from how tightly her abdominals were clenched. "'Captain Miranda Stillwater,' said Sartell, and she stepped forward for him to pin her stripes to her collar." a fond smile on his craggy face. How does it feel to be the youngest captain ever? Portia propped herself up on one elbow, sweat still gleaming on her skin. The sheet covered her hips. Miranda slid it down and stroked the curve of Portia's thigh. Right now? Sure. Like I'm the luckiest woman in the fleet. Portia batted her hand away and groaned. You know I hate when you try to charm me. I can't help it if it's true. Then keep it to yourself. I'm serious, though. You've got your own ship. How do you feel? She flopped back on her bunk and stared at the ceiling. The gray plex faded as she recalled the disaster she'd managed to avert. The disaster that had led to this promotion and the lives she hadn't been able to save. Like it isn't enough. Portia nestled into her shoulder and let out a long breath. She'd been on that ship, too. I know. Making me a captain doesn't change anything. We need more ships, more resources. A new council, Portia said. What, one that actually listens? 
one that remembers there are more than three stations? Something like that. While we're wishing. Miranda ran a finger down the cleft between Portia's breasts and over her stomach, pausing at the slight curve beneath her belly button. I'm too tired. As your captain. I don't recall being assigned to your ship, captain. Fine, then as a captain. Don't be greedy. Portia rolled over, tucking her arm around Miranda's ribs and draping her leg over her knees. Then go to sleep. She stroked Portia's hair as the other woman's breathing slowed, tucking the sheet up around them. But sleep would not come. A ship of her own. It was an honor, but Portia's words echoed in her head. A new council. What good was a ship if she couldn't defend her station against raids? One ship wasn't enough. She'd been in the right place at the right time, and she'd been able to sound the alarm and hold the raiders off long enough for help to arrive, but if the raiding fleet had been any larger? Everyone knew not every station in the archipelago was equal. Power struggles had allocated and reallocated resources over the years, until stations like Ares, Polaris, and Orion had outsized influence, and fleets three or four times the size of the smaller stations. No amount of pleading from Gemini's representatives had ever made a difference. The archipelago, in truth, was two confederations. The well-protected and well-supplied, and the outer stations, like Gemini, Crux, and Cassiopeia, who bore the brunt of attacks without the might to make a difference. The sound of remembered screaming hovered at the edge of hearing. Portia murmured something in her sleep. She pressed a kiss into her hair. At least they could date openly now, assuming Portia was interested. Assuming anything about Portia was dangerous, however. She woke to an empty bed not enough hours later, the six o'clock bell ringing in her ears. Her ship, inevitability, looked like a heaven hauled up from the deep. She's not much to look at, said Fam, but she floats, she's fast, and will prioritize her outfitting. She's gorgeous. She's a hulk of scrap. Fam clapped a hand to her shoulder, which is how we all begin. And the crew? Good mix of seasoned sailors and fresh chum. You'll do well, Miranda. The praise warmed her. I'll miss serving under you. See that you don't lose your stripes. I'd hate to have you back. He winked. I'll do my best. Your best has been good enough so far. Ready to board? She straightened her uniform and tightened her stomach, drawing herself up to her full height before offering him a salute. Formality mattered, to an extent. Today was about first impressions. Their vessel docked against inevitability, and Fam escorted her to the docking bay, more father than former captain in the way he hovered at her arm. She coiled her nervous energy into resolve and lifted her chin. Sailors, her sailors, lined inevitability's bay. All saluted her as she entered. Fam remained behind. She did not look over her shoulder at him for encouragement, though she longed to. Strange faces surveyed her. She met their eyes, nodding at each, and kept her expression neutral. The bay contained only two small subs, and the close space was a far cry from her last ship. She loved it unconditionally. A middle-aged woman with a scarred nose approached her and saluted. Devon Lee, Captain. First mate. Of course her last name was Lee. Gemini worked that way, offering up two halves of a whole, opposition and attraction in equal measure. At ease. She shook Devon's hand, appreciating the firm grip, 
and gave her most professional smile, resisting the urge to ask if she was any relation of Famsley Jones. Devon returned it with a wide, crooked grin. "'Welcome aboard,' she said in a low, raspy voice. "'The crew is assembled on the lower deck.' "'Excellent. Where were you before?' "'They pulled me from Captain Min's crew.' Ho Chi Minh was respected, though she didn't know him personally. "'Glad to have you with me.' "'My pleasure.' They kept up the pleasantries as they walked. The sailors from the bay fell into step behind them, and she listened to the shuffle of feet as she took in the repairs visibly needed, guessing at what she couldn't see. I see the cosmetic damage, but is there anything structural I need to know about? Engineering says no. We're waiting on the algae vats. Until we get more bioplex for the printers, we're stuck with what we've got. As long as she floats, she swerved to avoid an open vent in the floor, and isn't a safety hazard. We're still working on the second part, Captain. I can see that. She softened the words with another smile. Have you sailed with any of the crew before? A few. Good sailors. Anyone I need to know about? Chief engineer is a real firecracker, but solid. Facility seems competent despite her attitude, and navigation could use some seasoning, but he'll do. Fifty-seven sailors in all. She'd looked over the roster the evening before, studying faces and names and memorizing as many as she could. She needed to know her chief officers, but she also made a point of learning the names of a few from each rank. Fam always knew who swabbed his decks, and so would she. The lower assembly deck was little more than a large room. Sailors stood at attention when she walked in, flanked by Devon, and she crossed the room to the podium at the far side. It leaned precariously when she rested her hands on it. She gave it a tap, raising an eyebrow as it wobbled. Some of the crew laughed. Well, she began, raising her eyes to appraise them. Here we are. I am Captain Stillwater, and I have been assured the ship floats, despite appearances. Likewise, I can assure you that, despite appearances, I am a little older than twelve. More laughter. Good. I have no doubt that inevitably, the inevitability will hold her own in any beauty pageant the fleet throws. Until then, let there be no doubt that this crew and this ship have teeth. A few muffled cheers answered her words. We've been tasked with general patrol duties. For those of you who haven't been on patrol before, let me summarize. It's boring as fuck until it's not, and when it's not, it's really not. Laughter, warmer this time. I'm the youngest captain in Gemini history. Don't let that fool you. I earned this command with blood, and I vow to you that any and all additional bloodshed will come from those who would see us undone. Inevitably, the inevitability will face combat. When that happens, we will be victorious. Gemini Station is under our protection. We will not let her down, nor will I, your captain, let you down. The applause didn't bring down the roof, but there was some genuine enthusiasm as she stepped away from the podium. To Devon, she said, See that everyone receives an extra rum ration tonight. We've got two days until we sail. Might as well enjoy ourselves. Devon's answering smirk confirmed Miranda's suspicions. They'd get along just fine. Her quarters were larger than her old lodgings, though sparser. Room to pace, an office, a sitting area, and a bunk wide enough to share, should she care to invite someone into her bed. Unfortunately, Portia was not answering her messages. She frowned at the sonar readout. Nothing. Had she been deployed? Fam hadn't mentioned orders, but then why would he? She no longer sailed beneath him. 
She made use of the floor space to pace, counting her steps. Six wide strides from side to side. Eight as she traveled from corner to corner. Five more for the sitting area. Four for the small office with its battered desk. A plex globe full of biolight hung from the office ceiling. The blue light cast purple shadows over the backs of her hands. Fine. She'd spend her first night on her new ship alone. Disappointment wasn't anything new. She stretched, then dropped to the floor for a series of calisthenics. Press-ups, crunches, and squats. Might as well make good use of the time. Her sonar machine piped out a reading as she finished up a set of lunges. She scanned the screen. Congratulations, she translated. Always knew you'd make captain. Guess this just means you have to buy me drinks from now on. She shook her head, wishing her brother was here so that she could punch him in the arm. He was five years older and had recently made captain himself. Command ran in the family. Thanks, she replied. Wish you could have seen it. His ship was somewhere in the eastern quadrant of Gemini territory, looking for pirates. Rumor of a nasty crew preying on drifter vessels had reached the Admiralty, and while drifters technically fended for themselves, if it took place in Gemini waters, it was only a matter of time before the pirates turned toward bigger spoils. Plus, if news spread that Gemini allowed plundering, they'd have a real problem. The fleet was too small and inadequately outfitted to withstand prolonged assaults, as her new ship illustrated. They couldn't defend the station from any real threat for Lon. Another series of whistles and clicks filtered through her thoughts. Problems. Can't get off ship tonight. Miss you. Miss you was as good as a confession of love from Portia. She held the words in her mouth as she got cleaned up for bed, remembering the taste of Portia's skin. Amaryllis tapped the sword at her hip and eyed the wreckage through the plex ahead. The remains of a drifter tub listed, not damaged enough to fully commit to sinking, but flirting with the idea. Bodies floated nearby. Not our work, she said to her first mate. Don't insult us, said Zany. The older woman curled her lip in disgust. I'll see what can be salvaged. Maybe there are survivors. Her tone suggested she didn't believe her own words. Amaryllis didn't bother pointing out that survivors were about as likely as a whale, given the debris, and nodded her command. Scrap was scrap. She was far from home, and out here, no vast machines cultivated living ships from algae and photochemical stimulus. Her fleet needed the metal and the plex. She stayed by the viewport as a submersible approached the drifter vessel, thinking. This was a problem. Such an attack suggested desperation, and she didn't need half-baked pirate crews drawing attention to themselves and, therefore, by the witless associative powers of her enemy, her growing fleet. Not yet. They had so much more work to do. The halls of this vessel were not the living walls of home. No fronds whispered as she passed, and her boots made sound on the solid floor. One day she'd grow used to it. One day... All of this would be more than worth it, and she'd straddle the equator while the last vestiges of the old world bled out around her.